Our Old Testament reading this morning is the story of creation. Um, This is appointed from the uh, Revised Common Lectionary for this day, uh, Trinity Sunday. It is uh, all of Genesis 1 and the first three verses of Genesis 2. So I invite you again to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit, according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed, according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures of every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps 
on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament text for this morning. It's a conclusion just as this morning's Old Testament text was a beginning this morning's New Testament text is a conclusion, this from the Gospel of Matthew in the 28th chapter, beginning at verse 16, and again I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our late spring season of celebrations continues on the church calendar today. Two weeks ago, it was the ascension of the Lord. Last week, last week, it was Pentecost. Today, it is Trinity Sunday. And that, in part, explains why the Revised Common Lectionary of Suggested Scripture Readings has pointed us to the first account of creation in Genesis and to these five verses from the end of the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus' final charge to his disciples there, which has come to be referred to as the Great Commission. Because this parting address includes the exhortation to place the sign and the seal of God's claim upon the lives of his believers by the power and in the name of the triune God. That is, I suppose, why we have it as our recommended gospel text for this Sunday. But it is honestly a solid passage of scripture for us to listen to on any day. 
It's a small but a mighty text which serves to both comfort and to challenge us, we who would be disciples of the God who reveals himself to us in the form of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And while there is no wrong time to hear this message, perhaps, just maybe, perhaps, this is an even more right time to hear this message for what humanity needs is hope. In fairness and in full disclosure, that phrase is not one that I just came up with for your edification today. I actually stole it. Well, I co-opted it. After all, they say imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I read it about a week ago, which honestly feels more like a month ago now, in an article about the launch from Florida of the crew resupply mission to the International Space Station. Think back, seems like eons ago, but it was just a week and a day ago when this took place. And in the midst of an ongoing pandemic, in the midst of domestic and global economies on the ropes, with millions more Americans filing for first-time employment claims, uh, now tens of millions since March, an unemployment rate that is four times higher than it was at the start of the year, with many violent protests taking place all across the land, and with many, many more peaceful protests. So many of our churches having been shuttered by the authorities, 2020 is serving up for us kind of this perfect storm. Humanity needs hope. You are correct and sincere. The phrase was part of a comment published to social media by George Takai, the, the actor who portrayed the Asian helmsman of the USS Enterprise on that iconic original TV series from which the captain was given my name. So given the context, I think it was hearkening back to, to those days when the show first came into the living rooms of so many Americans. It was back in the last half of the 1960s when this country was more and more committed to the quagmire that was Vietnam. The presumptive Democratic nominee for president was assassinated like his brother before him. The nation's leading civil rights leader was gunned down while speaking on behalf of striking sanitation workers. And there were huge protests going on in American cities. There were spasms of violence all across the country. And on television was this far out program about a universe in which things might be different. Originally, it was pitched as studios as wagon train to the stars. Well, the executive producer and many of the writers who worked on the show rebelliously conceived of their new project covertly as something quite different from anything that had come to the small screen before. But to make it palatable to the studio heads of the time, they camouflaged it a bit. Now, their episodes dealt metaphorically with many of the issues of the day and presented alternative solutions to differences between people of different, sometimes very, very different circumstances. 
Sulu and his crewmates were a collection of beings of differing ethnicities, genders, races, and even species. But they were united in a purpose, in a mission, in a hope. So it wasn't all that surprising to read this observation from George Takai that seemed to me to harken back to his days being involved in the show, a show that he and many others had thought would give us hope in the midst of a world that seemed to find it then in pretty short supply. And I'll admit that our world today seems to be suffering from a lack of hope. But I am not going to be looking for that hope on a screen coming to us from a soundstage in California, nor even in orbit around the Earth, nor in any other place throughout this cosmos that a SpaceX rocket is going to be transporting us to now or in the future. For, as a Christian, I have been given hope that is much, much bigger. Also, providentially this week, I read a comment from Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, which carried a similar sentiment to Takai's. In part, what he wrote was this, we feel a duty to channel grief into action, and we hold to the hope that a single soul may yet change the world. Now, that sounds like the sort of uplifting and inspiring message that the head of a, a trillion-dollar company ought to be giving to shareholders and stakeholders and consumers at a time like this. And as a shareholder and a stakeholder and a consumer of Apple products, I don't fault him for trying to present a vision of a better world. Many of you may remember that the company has a track record of this kind of thing during the Super Bowl back in the mid-80s, 1984, I think it was, that they produced this television commercial that featured images of the old guard being displaced and replaced with the new. The implication was that it was through the technology being made and sold by Apple that this is the sort of change that it was going to enable people to bring. As an American, as a human, I agree with the observation both of these folks have made regarding the present state of the union, of our nation, and of the world. What the world needs now is hope. But as a Christian, I have to quibble over their vision for a path to that hope. For I don't see it coming in the form of a scientific advancement or a new device produced for us in Silicon Valley, and I don't see it emerging in the context of science fiction or a new venture into the final frontier. When Jesus came to Bethany to console Mary and Martha following the death of their beloved brother Lazarus, he said to Martha, do you have hope of seeing your brother again someday? To which she responded as a faithful Jewess, Yes, I have hope in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus reintroduced himself to her that day with these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He told her that those who hoped in him 
would not be disappointed. To emphasize that point, I understand that he was meaning only those who hope in him will truly not suffer disappointment. And in this life, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We're going to be disappointed. For that is the very nature of a fallen creation. No person, no place, no thing in all the universe, no matter how intrinsically good they may be, none can be perfect. All are faulty and will ultimately fail us and disappoint us. The triune God alone is perfect and has not nor will not ever dash our hope that we place in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it seems we would prefer to settle for less and continue to wait for hope to come. Science, after all, is a land of knowledge, of field that we have gradually been unlocking since the dawn of humanity and now now we esteem ourselves to be so bright that there ought to be no problem that we can't solve in time just by putting our scientific ingenuity to work if we just worship a little bit harder at the altar of the intellect now this doesn't mean that a person of Faith is, by definition, anti-scientific or or even anti-science fiction. I happen to enjoy both. But we believe that the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer of the universe has and does use such tools as these and more in the divine plan for self-revelation and the final and full healing of the universe which only God can bring. Placing our hope in bowing at the altar of other idols provided by human institutions, that is settling for less. It is refusing a gift of riches for a dose of Dr. Feelgood. That seems to be which so many would prefer. To hope in things that we can manage, that we can order, that we can control, that we can create. Because the need for mastery over others and over ourselves is such a a powerful, primal, sinful force. Folks have felt this urge so long, they no longer understand it to be a manifestation of the fallen nature of mankind. And have come to embrace it as sort of a badge of honor. Hope in God admits the truth of Scripture as revealed to us from the very beginning in Genesis. We are not the ones who built the earth. We are not self-made people. The psalmist beautifully reminds us of this in the words that we heard this morning in our response of reading. We were created not from within but from without. And our purpose, our destiny, lies not within us, but outside of us. Humanity doesn't have to wait for hope. We've been given hope. If we would just allow ourselves to see it, to hear it, to taste it, 
and to embrace it as it has embraced us. Hope that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the hope that endures on this Trinity Sunday, 2020. The only hope that will ever bring us and this world a lasting peace. With that knowledge, may we boldly go where so many faithful believers have gone before to spread that hope throughout the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that has been commanded. This is God's prime directive. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.